Our sermon for the day, Barnabas Grayson. Good afternoon. Got some good rain yesterday evening. Winds came in pretty strong. The rain fell down pretty heavy. And I suppose it was a good storm depending on how it affected you last night or yesterday evening. But uh, our grass was kind of getting dry. And I saw on television where... Uh, when it looks dry, it's because there's this little worm that crawls around in that grass. If you look closely at it, it's what's killing uh, some of the grass. We've had hot weather, drying things up, and uh, it's not as bad as, you know, in some parts of the country where there is drought. And to, to see that rain and to feel the wind, it's it just a welcoming thing, depending on how it affected you. Because I know sometimes rains and it cause flood and... Uh, knock trees over and things of that sort. I suppose by now you uh, have uh, the handout. I don't know if I have enough for everyone, but um, we can make copies later. We'd like to talk about the ninth commandment, which says, do not bear false witness. You know, lies, in a way, are a part of everyday life. And at some point in our life, we have probably told a little lie. Like when someone says they look thinner, when they really don't. Or when we agree with the, with the boss, when, when we really don't agree. And also, sometimes I've, I've heard Lawrence say this, you know, uh, when he's asked... Uh, how are you doing? You know, sometimes you think, well, you really got some problems and you got some trials. How can you really say I'm doing okay? So we say fine when everything is going, you know, wrong in our life. Do not bear false witness, says the commandment. And we know that there are compulsive liars and, uh, and pathological liars and sociopathic liars, and, and some tell lies out of good intention and, and for positivity's sake. And some just are careless, and a lie comes out when we really don't mean it. But when speaking the truth, there's really no lie in it. Pilate said to Jesus, he said, uh, what is truth? Now, Webster defines truth as the quality or state of being true. It's an, establishment, it's an established and verified fact. So, some might say, well, it's about something. Well, it's right on the money. We might agree. That means we agree with, with uh, something said. But a lie is the opposite of truth. When the commandment says, do not bear false witness, that means includes to not lie, to not deceive, 
or just to bear falsehood intentionally for the sake, for the sake of some uh, deep-seated motive that one might have. Because there can be serious consequences that stems from uh, a lie. So truth depends on its source. And our source is by looking to scripture and looking to Jesus. Scripture says, let God be true and every man a liar. That means that we look to God and his word. And we don't really put our trust in man unless they can somehow verify what they are saying. In Revelation chapter 22, it says in verse uh, 12, Jesus is saying this. He said, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. And he says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And in verse 14, blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have a right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For outside or for without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whoever whosoever loves and makes a lie. So Jesus said he's coming soon and we ask ourselves, well, what manner of person ought we to be, as, as the scripture uh, says? It is a crazy world that we live in. To some, the big lie means truth. To some, the truth means a big lie. And there are contentions. We read over in Jude, uh, the book of Jude. I don't have that down on uh, the handout. But in Jude, verse 1, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God, the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. So there are some things here that, address, that addresses each and every one of us as sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Over in verse 3, or verse 2, mercy unto you, and peace and love be multiplied. But in our world today, we sometimes look at, well, how can we have peace and love and it be multiplied? Because there are so many uh, things going on in the world that we can't separate truth from lie. Verse 3, it says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the truth, for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. So sometimes there are issues in our society today that challenge our faith and our belief in God and in Jesus Christ and in the doctrines that we believe in. So it's a topsy-turvy world, we might call it. And that's what some say, it's a topsy turvy world we hear a lot of mumbo jumbo you know language that's causing or intended to cause confusion or chaos and bewilderment but we know that in a coming time the truth will be evil spoken of and how 
are we to be prepared? What are we to be, uh, have as the basis for what we believe in? Are we or will we be prepared with the gospel of truth? So Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? And he asked Jesus, are you a king? And Jesus answered, to this end was I born. For this cause came I into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. They're going to listen to the words of Christ. They're going to look and focus upon the scriptures that we have in the Holy Bible to see and uh, glean from it what is truth. So Jesus came to bear witness. We know that. And the world, however, did not believe in him. They did not take his word as truth. And so today, even today, there are doubters and deniers of the word of God. Now Pilate said to the people that were out, the, out to crucify Jesus, he said to the crowd, I find no fault in him. But the people chose to heed Pilate's, and no one, uh, they chose not to heed Pilate's statement. So in our world today, we are to be careful in what we hear and in what we see so as not to be swept away uh, from the teachings of Jesus Christ. So, there are things going on in our society today that is causing harm and causing damage. But how do we know if something is, is true or not? How do we avoid being swept away from the teachings of Jesus Christ and following our human nature to join in on the crowd and, and be persuaded in one way or the other? Over the book of uh, John 8, chapter 8, verse 31 through 32, you know, we have to consider the source of what is being said. And we have to look at the evidence and trust that the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. In John chapter 8, verse 31, we read where Jesus was speaking to the Jews and there were some there who, who believed on him. They believed in, in Jesus, believed in who he was. And he said to them, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So to continue in the word is to be a disciple of Christ and follow his example as one who has taken the right path in life, which I know that we, we've all have taken that right path to life by putting Jesus' words into our practice. Thy word is truth, says the scripture down in John 17, uh, 17, and the truth shall make you free. But what shall it make you free from? It's just from the lies and the falsehoods that may come our way, and we may not recognize it at first. And so we have to ponder it. We have to look at it, look for the evidence, and see if it's the truth or not. And we do so through the power of the Holy Spirit and by just living in the light of the words of Christ and following his example of love and goodness, which it seems that the world is, is not doing too much of these days. But instead we hear a lot of uh, hatred, we hear a lot of arguing and violence being brought on us as to who's lying, 
who's telling the truth? Now, the first big lie was told to Eve in the Garden of Eden. She had told the serpent that she could not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for God had said that in the day ye eat thereof, ye shall surely die. Well, Satan said to her, gave her a counter thought, said, you shall not surely die. And he said that God knows that in the day you eat thereof, your eyes shall be open and you shall become like God's. And that certainly appealed to the, uh, the vanity, just as millions of years ago that it appealed uh, to uh, Lucifer, who became Satan, because he wanted to be like God. And so, God knows that in the day you eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be like God's, knowing both good and evil, he told Eve you shall not surely die. So that was a big lie. It was heresy. It was a teaching contrary to the truth. And in the Greek, in the New Testament heresy, it means choice. So Eve was given a choice to believe the words of the Eternal who said, you shall not eat thereof, for you will surely die, or to take the words of the tempter. So even today, we all have knowledge of good we all have knowledge of evil, and we choose to act, one, act on one or the other. But the tempter, we know, can put a spin on the truth and say it means something else. And, as we know, the rest of the story, she brought Adam along, and they ate of it, and their eyes were open, and they realized that they uh, were naked. And they saw their nakedness, and something in their mind just... just uh, clicked and made them ashamed and the thought came that they they stood in disobedience to the father they weren't supposed to eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil but they did and they chose to disobey so death came as a consequence of believing in that lie of the serpent who who by the way is still hanging around seeking whom he may devour in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, it tells us that we still have hope that even though death was a pronouncement, that there is the hope of life, that death will be no more. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 22, it says, For as in Adam all die. You know, we sprang forth from Adam and, Adam and Eve in that Garden of Eden so long ago. Even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. And the last enemy that shall be destroyed is, is death. The, the word, uh, Greek word for uh, destroyed is katargio. It means abolished or nullified. Uh, death will be abolished or nullified, no longer uh, real. Our destiny, of course, is everlasting life. But there were some, like the Sadducees uh, in early New Testament times, uh, they said that there was no resurrection. So this is a 
you know, a heresy. It's an opposition to, to the truth. 1 Corinthians 15, let's go up to verse 12 in 1 Corinthians. It says, now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some, of, some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? There are some, and I know of some, who truly believe that this is the only life that we have, that there is no resurrection. This is, this is it, therefore there is no God. But if there is no resurrection, verse 13, of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. It's meaningless, it's empty. Yea, and we are found false witnesses to God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not uh, Christ raised. And if Christ not be raised, your faith is vain. You are yet in your sins. Then they also which are falling, falling asleep, those who are dead, are, are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all, of all men most miserable. The Living Bible translates that. It says if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ must still be dead. And if he's still dead, then all our preaching, said Paul, is useless and your trust in God is vain, worthless, and hopeless. But we know that the reason we come together to fellowship as a body we believe that there is a resurrection. Just as we made prayer to God earlier, how uh, we know that there is a Lord and Savior who is aware of everything that uh, we face in life, the sufferings and the trials, the losses that we have, that someday that there's going to come a time when all of this will be understood by and by and we shall see our loved ones again. And we apostles, in, uh, in verse 15, uh, we apostles, said Paul, are all liars because we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. And of course, that isn't true if the dead do not come back to life again. So some say, well, this, this is true. And then some say, well, all this preaching, all this Christian belief is just, is just a lie. And... You are very foolish to keep on trusting God to save you and you are still under condemnation for your sins. So, the fact is, we know that Christ, because we trust in the word, that Christ did actually rise from the dead and has become the first of, of billions who will come back to life again someday. So, verse 20 but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of, of the dead. For as, as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So we who are in, in, in Christ shall be made alive after uh, our death. So every loved one who is no longer with us, we'll see again. Now in the Garden of Eden, 
There was also that tree of life. Genesis chapter 3. And verse 22. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become one of us, to know good and, and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from where he was taken. For Adam and Eve, if they were to have uh, partake, uh, eaten of that uh, tree of life, they would have lived knowing that the sin that they did in disobedience to God and of learning to know what good and evil was, they would live forever knowing as they looked around, as I, I read in one commentary, and it's a pretty good thought, that out of the mercy of God that he did not want them to uh, bear the guilt, to bear the shame, and to see that their, their one sin ha has caused uh, humanity to suffer. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. It was well guarded, well protected by, by uh, some futuristic type of, of uh, deterrent. Use our imagination on that. Proverbs chapter 15 the eyes of the Lord, verse 3, are in every place. In every place. Beholding the evil and the good. The eyes of the Lord are even among us. Are outside in the park. Are outside at a sports stadium. Or some concert or some place. The eyes of the Lord are beholding the good and the, and the evil. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground. Oh, I was reading a scripture I've already read. Uh, the eyes of the Lord are at every place beholding the evil and the good. So he knows also our thoughts and he knows our actions. That wasn't me. He knows our thoughts and actions. Those who are wicked who are going astray, and they should take heed if God has his eyes on them, and they should be warned. Or we can be comforted knowing that God's eyes are on us, and as we pray for his protection, as we pray for his guidance, we know that he is with us. From the time our first parents, Adam and Eve, partook of the tree of the knowledge of, of good and evil, Mankind continues to make choices between good and evil. And we're not perfect. We make wrong choices a lot. We make mistakes. And we read in verse 4, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. So we know that good words bring life and health to those who hear it brings health and, and life to our spirit. But deceitful and subversive words can demoralize us. 
take away uh, a happy spirit and trust and faith in the word. So, we see words here in scripture of hope that we'll have, that we will have someday a right to that tree of life. Though we don't see it right now, but we will have uh, a right to that tree of life. After we become a little bit more wiser and more self-disciplined, knowing uh, what to do when we are faced with a choice of right or wrong. Revelation 2.7 uh, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. We can read about all those church, churches, and we can kind of look at ourselves and see, well, which one fits me today, or which one has fit, fits me in, in the last year, or which one is going to fit me in the future. But to him that overcomes will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. In Revelation 22:14 it says, "Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may, uh, may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates of the city." All thy commandments, as we know, it says, "All thy commandments are righteousness, and they are, they are life-giving ways. And we know that if we break one, we break them all. Now, in James chapter 3, the Apostle James is talking about controlling our talk, about controlling our tongue, therefore controlling uh, what we say. He said, my brethren, be not many masters, that is, instructors or teachers in this, you know, in this and that, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. So, James is addressing the brethren, to not be so eager to, to be over others in some way. And this address to the brethren is uh, in a co commentary. It refers to unofficial teachers who were, you know, given the latitude to speak. And James' advice was to not be overly anxious to speak up about things because as verse uh, 2 for in many things we offend we offend all if any man offend not in word that is you know his talk so on the same is, per is a perfect man and able to also bridle the whole body behold we put bits in the horse's mouths and that they may obey us and turn about their whole body Behold also the ships which though they be so great are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm. Wheresoever the governor lists, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Behold how great a little fire kindles. Small though it is, you know, when we talk, you know, this got this little organ in our mouth that's moving around and it's saying what's on our mind and so on. Behold how great uh, it boasts, uh, the tongue being a little member, boasts great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindles. So boasting great things sometimes, you know, we exaggerate our position, exaggerate ourselves.
and other ways uh, the tug can, uh, can kindle a fire. Verse 6, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it, that it defiles a whole body and sits on, sits, sets us on fire, the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and has been tamed of mankind, but the tongue no man can tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. And when there are, you know, the wrong words are said, it can toxify a family, toxify a church, toxify a society, and so on. With it we bless we God, even the Father, and with it we curse men which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing, and he says, my brethren, these things ought not to be. So how do we avoid such things? We have to pray for God's guidance. In Psalm 141, we see where the psalmist, the David said, Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Incline not my heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked works with men that work iniquity, and let me not eat of their dainties. You know, don't join in with, uh, with all the sayings and doings of man, but to be careful in what is said. Take away my lusts, David saying, for evil things. Don't let me want to be with sinners, doing what they do, sharing their delicacies, and pray that the Lord will direct his words and, and his deeds. In Titus chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, the Apostle Paul said, For there are many unruly and rebellious vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, for there, uh, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, whole families, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake, for, for, for dishonest gain. Their mouths must be stopped, their voices muzzled, said Paul especially the Judaizers whose religion and view of salvation rested on doing a lot of physical things, things like circumcision and, and just being the children of Abraham and not having uh, true faith in Christ. First Timothy chapter 1, Paul wrote to Timothy and he was saying, As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that you might charge some, that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which in, is in faith, so do. So there are a lot of things that can come up between people that have no bearing on, on just edification. They'd rather argue about something or contend with something. So put an end to those uh, uh, myths and uh, fables. And there was, uh, there was a belief that they favored some angels and looked uh, to these angels that would lead them to God. So this was a strange heresy. 
this, uh, this worshiping of angels, even in the church at Colossae, uh, there were angel people wanting to worship angels. Remember Jesus said to take heed that no man deceive you. Be careful of, of teachings or heresy, uh, of things that are in opposition to the word of God. Revelation 12, 8, you know, we look to the source. We try to figure out, is the source reliable for truth? We read in Revelation 12, verse 8, that the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his disciples were cast out with him. So on this earth, in our time today, there are lies and deceptions at work, and we have to make choice between good and evil. Back to John chapter 8, uh, verse 43, um, continue there. Uh, Jesus was saying, why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word? Is it because you are prevented from doing so? We know how sometimes you hear the word of truth and then Satan comes along and he shades that truth, casts doubt upon it, and prevents us from believing in the truth. So he's the enemy of truth who bears false witness. You are of your father, the devil, verse 44, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, we've read many times where there is a mystery of iniquity at work and who is presently active. Uh, Ever, ever since he appeared to man in the Garden of Eden. The mystery, verse 7, the mystery of iniquity or the mystery of lawlessness does already work. Only he who now lets will let until he be taken out of the way. It's a mystery to us in some ways now that, is being, that he is being allowed to do his thing. He's planning, he's scheming. He's deceiving, he's gaining force and power through deception until the day he is removed out of the way. Verse 8, and then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Imagine that day, how that is going to be. Even him whose coming is after the working of of Satan with all power, all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Why are they perishing? Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. They did not look to work God's word to find the truth, to know what to do. So this man of sin will come as Satan's tool full of evil power, he will completely fool those who, who refuse to believe the truth and don't look to it. 
For this cause, verse 11, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in righteousness. Romans chapter 1, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, you know, they were just putting God out of mind, out of their actions, out of their reason for living, putting God out of their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. So there is a spiritual vacuum when God is left out. Left out of life, but turn, turning toward these carnal things. And these are, these are a lot of things. You can count them up, see how many of those things that the carnal nature can do. And so they do so in rebellion. They do so in contempt of truth. They know right from wrong, but they choose to do uh, what is not right. And they'll believe anything because they take pleasure in unrighteousness. Psalm 10, uh, verse 4. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. His ways are always grievous. Thy judgments are far above, out of his sight. As for all his enemies, he puffs at them. He has said in his heart, I shall not be moved, for I shall never be in adversity. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and fraud. Under his tongue is mischief and vanity. He sits in the, uh, in the lurking places of the village. In the secret places does he murder the innocent. His eyes are privily set against the poor. He lies in wait secretly as a lion in his den. He lies in wait to catch the poor. He does catch the poor when he draws him into his net. He crouches and humbles himself that the poor may fall by his strong ones. He has said in his heart, God has forgotten. He hides his face. He will never see it. So when justice is not executed right away, then more and more people are empowered to do uh, evil. John chapter, first John chapter four, many, you know, there are many false prophets that have gone out into the world. Verse one, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets are gone out into the world. And hereby know you the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit, that spirit of Antichrist. Whereof you have heard that it should come, 
even now already is in the world. The holy days that are, that are coming up, atonement and the Feast of Trumpets before then, we know from these holy days that there is a day of reckoning that is to come, a day of wrath, but is also a day of redemption and atonement and of the hopeful realization that the kingdom of God is going to come. going to skip ahead to 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, 7 through 17. I'm not going to read all those verses, just a few. The apostle is saying, we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as the day of Christ is at hand. So that day is going to come when uh, some are going to say, well, Christ is here, he's there, and are going to mislead. But let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, who is the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Therefore, brethren, verse 15, Therefore, brethren, stand fast, hold the traditions you have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ himself, and God, even our Father, which has loved us and has given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good uh, word and work. What a wonderful world this will be, like this song, what a wonderful world, when the lying and, and the deception is, is gone from uh, this earth, when the deceiver who deceives the whole world is is bound and removed from this earth that is made holy by the presence of Christ and the establishment of, of the holy place. For we read in Revelation 20 that John saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand who laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. So, this was the one who said, back in Isaiah, I will be like the most high. That's what Lucifer said, and iniquity was found in him. And the fate is, his fate is, yet you shall be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit, cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations. And they that see you, as like in the sermon that Steve gave last week, 
They that see you shall narrowly look, look upon you and consider you, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake the kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness, and destroyed the cities thereof? Psalm 15 says, Lord, who shall abide in your tabernacle, who shall dwell in your holy hill? It says that he that walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. In closing, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through 7. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin.